Alan McGurvin with Vicky Bennett, all about her new book, The Book of Hope, Antidote for Anxiety. Anxiety, there is a tsunami of it in the world, particularly for our young people. Vicky, great book. Where did you find all this information about hope? Because hope is the common denominator that keeps coming up through the book. What are your sources? Well, uh, with three decades of corporate training, I'm curious about the human mind, the human psyche, and the human emotions. I've lived and examined life, so I turn the rocks over a few times to find what I think are gems that will take us forward and to be able to um, uncover the anxiety and move forward with that. I don't believe in dogma, that one person has the answer to living a rich life. I trust myself to know what the very best thing is for me, my hopefulness and my future, and I've collected that material information, and I'm just sharing it in this beautiful book. I see where you say most people are looking for peace to make peace with all kinds of things, particularly anxiety. What are your key tools for being in what you call a hopeful life? The first thing for me is to make peace with that anxiety that I said. Everybody I speak with talks of high levels of anxiety. and In fact, it's become quite competitive. You know, my anxiety is bigger than yours. I have more. I work longer hours, all of those things. And that's not a healthy thing for it to be. No one wins. Everyone loses when we do that. So getting that sorted, getting the the actual, I accept that I have anxiety and what am I going to do with it? You can't numb it. You can't wish it away. You need to work with it. So I think kindness and sacred service to self is really important. And the first thing about kindness is being kind to ourselves. You know, I often ask people, if you were married to yourself, how long would you say married? And, you know, it's an interesting question. Are we kind enough to ourselves? We can reach our hand out to others with ease. But we need to step up that kindness to ourselves so that we're coming from an authentic place rather than we're just doing something for somebody else. We're actually doing something for ourselves and our community because we want to make it a better space. And I think that that's very tied up with our anxiety. If we can actually do that, we can create a more, uh, a less anxious environment for ourselves. I think it takes more personal bravery to care for ourselves first than care for another person. The safety instructions on board an aeroplane are clear. Um, Make sure that you give yourself oxygen before you give anybody else oxygen. That's what we're told when we arrive. So it's really important to get that self-care right, and that's a sacred service to self. Yeah, so uh, you believe the anxiety levels are high because we all do so much? Very much so. We we are capable of doing a lot, so we do do a lot. We have many devices going at the one time. We're constantly being bombarded by information. And technology has very high expectations. We have to keep an eye on it all. And the trend for mindfulness, meditation and yoga are there because we need to come back from that. We need to calm our bodies. We need to soothe the anxiety levels. And all of those things are very helpful for soothing anxiety. But the biggest thing uh, that contributes to high anxiety is the quality of our self-talk, how we see the world and how we talk to ourselves about what's happening around us. It's, It's quite a commitment. 
to look at the world and instead of saying these things happen to me, say these things happen for me. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Even with that small change in the way we think and talk, that can have a huge impact on our level of anxiety. Wow. Things yeah. happen to me. They actually happen for me. Yeah. And that's a, that's a new mindset, isn't it? I've, I've just finished reading um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, It's All Small Stuff by Richard Carlson, which is written 20 years ago and is a classic. And uh, there's, there's so many moving parts of that that relate to what you've, you've written here. Mm. You know, we, we don't see people as they are. We see people as we are. Yes. That's the story of life. Yes. How did you come to write this book? Um, my, uh, my publisher, Billerong Press, came to me and suggested that I write about anxiety because it was just so absolutely on everybody's mind and everyone's talking about it. So I think it, the conversation of anxiety is really important. I warmed to the subject because I live a hope-filled life. And I wanted to share the skills that I've devised um, with others to encourage others and to nurture and spark that hope with each one of us. But mostly I've written about what I've learned to handle the ups and downs of life. As an adult, I've struggled um, with anxiety, overachievement and the need for approval has always driven me often to the high end of anxiety and when I was younger into depression. Like many others, I've had lots of counselling um, to help pinpoint where my anxiety started. But this exploration has really helped me to live a life of curiosity, love and passion. So in some ways, it's been um, my driving force, the anxiety, to actually uncover and learn more about it. Yeah, I read once that the, some of the really successful people in life, one of their key character traits is curiosity. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. What about the illustrations in this book? Oh, yes. I, I nearly finished the book. The date was looming ahead. We, we were ready to print. And my publisher said, you know, I need a symbol. What kind of symbol do you think you could do for hope? So I started, because I'm an artist, I started by drawing a tree. I drew the tree of hope. And then I put all the names of the chapter headings in all the branches. And it was beautiful and had all the leaves. And I was intricately working with the leaves. And I, my daughter, I said to my daughter, who's a graphic artist, what do you think, honey? And she said... You're nearly there, but it's not the cigar. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, the leaves are great and they're very calming. They're very peaceful. So if you could just um, choose the leaves that you find from southeast Queensland, all the local beautiful vegetation we have, choose some of those and just do pages of that. And I really enjoyed it. I, I did it in a very short space of time, but I loved it. And they're quite calming. People have told me in the book how calming they are. So... I, I I just enjoyed um, working with, with the book. My grandchildren were over and we were doing arts and crafts on our big lunchroom table and they, of course, were interested in what I was doing and they came over and looked at my drawings and said, what can we do? So I said, well, why don't you do just a little bit in the corner there and you do something there? So in a couple of the lovely drawings, my grandchildren have contributed to the leaf drawings and that's really special for me. So obviously through the book you've dug into your personal experiences and uh, you've done a lot of self-help books. How many now? 30. This is my 30th. 30th yeah. book. That's yeah. amazing. And uh, yeah, it, 
as you say in it, that this book's not about numbing anxiety mm. or to see hope as some sort of ethereal thing. It's more like a conversation. It is like a conversation, and we need to share our repertoire of what we're doing with other people around anxiety, and we mustn't hide that anymore. I'm not saying that we should um, reveal or exchange our woes from our lives as a currency because I don't think that helps us to move forward. But I share the tools I've developed as a result of my life experience and I'm hopeful because in spite of all life's challenges, I'm passionate about this examined life that we can lead. And it's a magnificent place to learn to be our very best selves. Um, you know, planet Earth, it's an amazing, enchanting place. When interviewed about his life, Barry Humphreys said, I'm just looking forward to the next wonderful thing to happen. And these words of hope um, have sustained me through many periods of anxiety in my life and it's not that it hope doesn't stop challenging things happening it just helps us to understand that they're transitory Um, through applying life skills we learn we grow we move forward with greater strength and greater personal power and I guess I have a vision of myself I've got a picture of myself as a small child and my aunt was going overseas And we went to Sydney to see her off um, at the docks and she was going to Southampton. And she threw a yellow streamer from the upper deck and I eagerly caught it and held it tight, smiling and waving with my other hand. I I couldn't believe that that this tiny thing in my life left such an indelible mark because my imagination thinks now that hope is the streamer between the ocean liner and the dock, between me and my future. And everybody uh, <laughs> realises as we get older, the future isn't what it used to be. Talking to Vicki Bennett, who's written the book of Hope, an antidote for anxiety. Interesting quote on the back of the book. Um, it's a wonderful, accessible story of one person's journey with anxiety. And it yeah, really is, Vicky. Uh, Thank t- you. Tell me about uh, it's it's is it a book of modern philosophy? Do you think? Um, it's, it's philosophy is about reflections on life's challenges, I believe, and being able to make some sort of sense as a human being to what's happening within us and around us. And this book is a major reflection on the majority of issues facing individuals and communities. Um, and it also offers insights and suggestions. So I think it's all about modern philosophy, how, how we live, how we choose to live, how we can re-choose every day to live differently if we want. In the book you talk about blame, shame and guilt. Oh, oh there's those words again as an obstacle to hope. What do you mean by that? Yes. When we decide not to use blame, shame and guilt with another person or with our internal dialogue, we automatically become more respectful and kind when we have that strong internal boundary. Perfectionists often use blame, shame and guilt to keep them locked into that perfectionist um, cycle, I guess. If you're a perfectionist, try to be less critical. Enjoy the moment. Put effort into doing something just for the experience, not for how it's going to turn out. 
blame, shame and guilt is alive and kicking for many women and girls who are influenced by magazines, by social media and their words that they use, the language that they use with themselves. I'm fat, I'm ugly. These words give their mind a picture of precisely what it is they don't want. Instead, um, you know, words like I am the right weight for me right now. I'm beautiful inside and out, ends the shame, blame and guilt many women feel about their bodies. It makes more sense to repeat the words that reflect the desired outcome rather than the outcome that they don't desire. And it starts, it's an inside job. That's how we get started with it. An inside job, I like that. Mm. And it's, it's, a, it's a goal. I love that little quote in the book by uh, Jeffrey Albert who said uh, the most important thing about a goal is having one, mm-hmm. and most of us don't have them. Uh, they they're like they're like <clears throat> deadlines. They sort of go whizzing by. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Goal setting is so important, and also resilience is pretty important for us. We need to um, knowing that that we can survive no no matter what happens to us. Um, the resilient spirit ensures that we thrive in every moment, painful or not. You know, the painful painful moments is, are where we learn. They're not to be wished away. Pay attention. You know, get really centred. And I notice where it lands in my body. So if I have a feeling about something that's not right, I'll notice where that and I'll sit with that feeling in my body. We're built to bounce back naturally from difficult situations. The human condition is incredibly robust. What keeps us durable is our ability that we're, we are naturally <clears throat> resilient and people seem to think that they're not uh, and we're not born with a fixed amount of resilience. It's, it's like a muscle. You can build it up, draw on it when you need it and can figure out what really is the best version of yourself through resilience. And I've got a quote from Julia Gillard and she says... Being, um, she believes in, in being a bit reflective about your own thoughts and feelings in terms with resilience, where you are and why you're there and working through how you can get to a better place. She says, I think instinctively I've done that all my life. And the Beyond Blue CEO, Georgie Harmon, says, resilience is a roof over my head, it's a purpose in life, and it's a date on Saturday night. Well, so each of us really is born with a strong sense of intuition. We, we we get it suppressed in our childhood, in our school days. But really, as you say in the book, uh, and you use the phrase inspired intuition, and our survival depends on it. Interesting. Yes. Well, we have this incredible innate ability, and um, it's it's often taken from us by being less, being more risk averse, which is really not doing us any favours. Um, so this strong, our survival, if you watch a child under seven and see how they automatically use intuition to make decisions, it's the ability to do something instinctively without the, new, the, the need to have a conscious reasoning behind it. And we need to nurture that and honour that and notice it because the more we notice it, the more opportunities come our way because we have the ability of creating what happens. And intuition can guide us towards hope. Few emotions can bite us, bind us the way hope can. 
and through the darkest times, hope and intuition can bridge the gap between conscious and subconscious parts of our minds, between instinct and reason. And yet we're trained to rely on facts and data far too early in our life. Intuition often needs to be coached back into working order. It takes trust and self-awareness to act on our intuition. I see you've got a chapter in there on values-driven behavior. This Mm. is Vicki Bennett, and I'm talking to her about her book of hope, Antidote for Anxiety. And uh, Vicki, yeah, tell me about that. Uh, Values-driven behaviors, what's that? Well, if I met you in a lift and I needed to give you my spiel about what I believe in and I only had one floor to do it, I would say that I live to match my behavior to my goals. Because what happens is that it's very easy to have goals and um, want them. And our intention is good, but it's what we do every day that backs that up. You know, how we follow through, how we speak to people with courtesy, dignity and respect. That's what tells us um, whether we're actually committed to that goal or not. Um, And it drives the passion and a sense of hope to connect to a purpose in life. And whether I'm working with people in the corporate world, whether I'm working with new writers as they bring their first book to fruition, or with children in schools, I encourage them to be clear about their values, what they value in themselves, and match their behavior to these values. When we walk our talk, we inspire hope within ourselves and others. So it's a starting point for developing healthy team Esteem. Team esteem. Mm. Okay. Uh, I notice you haven't written a self-help book for 10 years. It's been uh, kids' books, which are all very good. And uh, you can find Vicky online and uh, have a look at her incredible uh, – it's, it's a spectrum of, of books <laughs> over the last – well, 30 books in. Wow. But in 10 yeah. years, this is your first self-help book. Why did you decide to do that? Well, as you say, I haven't been idle. I've been writing books. Usually um, one thing informs the next. And I remember coming to you with um, a book, Two Pennies, some years ago. And from that, you and I made a documentary Mm. called Never Forget Australia. So that book informed that that DVD, which is very popular. It's still shown on SBS. Yes, running right now on SBS. Never forget Australia. Yeah. But uh, never forget our children. I mean, writing children's books and uh, you've you're a corporate trainee, you're a researcher and a writer. Mm. So, and, and so you're always looking for the practical tools that will help people cut through the clutter, aren't you? Yes. Well, media focuses on the planet as an unfriendly, dangerous place. And it appears to be that way sometimes. Despite this, the human spirit is strong, kind, generous and hopeful. And wars, political turmoil, disasters are there at any given time but I look at my grandchildren and I feel more hopeful and confident about the human spirit than ever before and I have a lovely story in the book can I read that out of Dorothea and it's a story um, in the book I I introduce a subject and then I tell a story and then I tie it in and anchor it so that people can get what the maximum they can from it. But um, it's in the chapter called Potent Passion and uh, I was giving a communication course at an aged care 
centre and in with caregivers, with the um, caregivers of this centre. When in wandered Dorothea, one of the residents, the room was reserved for staff only and closed to residents. So she had to exercise a bit of persistence to join us. Dorothea has dementia. Her mind cannot function clearly in the present. For her, past, present and future have become jumbled. She can be quite lucid one moment and completely disoriented the next. One minute she can understand where she is and know and recognise those around her. The next she feels scared and out of control. She sat in the front row and I welcomed her and passed her a workbook. She began taking concentrated notes, looking at me intensely. She was the first to laugh when I was funny and throughout the presentation encouraged me through her eyes and her beaming smile. The notes she wrote weren't decipherable by anyone else. It's just unclear what Dorothea took from the communication training session. But I'm very clear about what I gained from Dorothea. She gave me a complete and absolute empathy and attention and total unconditional support. At the end of the day, I realised it was I who had received the workshop. Dorothy reminded me that without empathy, words are just words. Wow, love it. Yeah. Vicky Bennett, uh, the writer of the book, are currently available wherever good books are sold. It's called The Book of Hope, Antidote for Anxiety. Find out more on her website, which yes. is... VickyBennett.com.au. Spell that. V-I-C-K-I-B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com.au. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Alan. Lovely to talk.